When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. We'd like to welcome a very special guest to the pod today. Welcome, Warney. Pete, great to be here, mate. It is a big year coming up for AFL Fantasy. Yes, it is. It's been a big preseason. We've got a big year coming. There's so much. Uh, it's been a great preseason. I think there's been lots of things. And I think this season in AFL fantasy, we're going to see it might be different to anything we've experienced before. So it might be a little bit of different thinking this season. Yeah, especially with the extra bye uh, week that we've got coming up and the extra game this season. That's right, and in that too, I think it's almost something we haven't spoken about a heap there. We've actually got 50 trades this year, so it's a significant number of uh, trades throughout the season to be using, so it might change some of our thinking. It might mean that we can take some different risks or some different routes to try to get there towards our uh, ultimate fantasy team as we're working through it. Can you explain to the listeners this year your content schedule for AFL? Yeah, I guess a lot of the stuff for AFL will probably look uh, similar to what it has in the past. So our Monday podcast will be there. We'll have our Thursday night live streams on the AFL website and also the app. So they'll be coming through there. So they're always good fun to do as the teams drop a bit of that raw reaction. A couple of articles as they drop during the week as well and plenty on social media. But we've also, uh, you know, got our DT Talk stuff as well, which will be floating through, which we're really excited about this year. I think content is uh, is a bit of a king, as you know, Pete, because you produce some of the best stuff out there and and people love to consume and we of course love to produce it yeah so just on the dt talk you've gone to patreon this year so can you provide some detail uh, to the listeners what is available yeah, so it's a bit of an extra thing. So DT Talk will um, run as it was. There will probably even be more content than what there was there previously. But we've thought we'd add on some a, a Patreon, which is a subscriber thing. Um, if you haven't had a look at it before, we've got our website at patreon.com slash DT Talk. And uh, we've been smashing the social, so you'll probably find it in one of our uh, tweets or Facebook posts or something along the way. But pretty much it's some bonus stuff that we've had ideas that we've wanted to do quite for a long time, really. And we wanted a platform to be able to do it. Um, Obviously, time is an issue for us, so we thought we'd put some stuff on a Patreon, and hopefully people who have wanted this as well will be keen to jump on and have a look at it. So probably the main thing for that, and this is the biggest one that we want to do, was a Sunday night live show, and I think that was something missing in in the fantasy community to, to really have somewhere for us all to come to and, well, hear about our team, Sook, Winch, gloat, whatever it is, at the end of the round, I think. Between the three of us, our messages uh, are sometimes, yeah, very interesting. Probably you uh, would like to be a fly on the wall for some of those sometimes, but we thought we might as well actually do it live straight after the round and and get all of that happening. So that's a big one, or the big part of that that we wanted there. We're adding a few other extra things, which you'll be able to find out on that patreon.com slash DT Talk page, but a bit of Calvin's captaincy is um, going to work a bit harder on that this year and make an extended version for Patreon, and that'll come out earlier than it does on DT. DT Talk. Uh, we'll have different weekly articles and stuff. And one of the cool things that we are going to have a crack at is a, a bit of a midweek 
um, podcast, which is more of a Q&A, and it's going to be there answering questions for people on Patreon and, yeah, hopefully helping them out because I think that midweek-style thing, we've got a bit more information and we will hopefully be able to give out our best advice. But I think the key to it is because there are a lot of people out there doing lots of different things. I think we want to keep it all about fun as well, and I think that's what um, has we've been built on for 17 years of doing our thing that it is fun. I don't think our advice or anything like that is that bad or anything, but hopefully it is a fun, engaging part of the game. And I think that's, at the end of the day, that's the reason we all play this for it, is that bit of a, a fun angle as much as we all think we can win a Hilux and a hat and all of that along the way. At the end of the day, it's a nice distraction on top of our love of footy to be able to keep it going during the winter. Now, that's Sunday night pod. So for those who haven't been around or weren't around, like I think it was about three or four years ago, I used to do the Sunday night. It was the best pod um, on the podcast network that you did, and just the emotional roller coaster ride of you know, and and pretty much you did it straight after the game. So you know, if you had a late play in that game, it was like your know, ups and downs were tremendous to actually view in there and just have a look. So um, I highly recommend just it's for the Patreon just for that. Um, so that's quite entertaining there. So the one thing I want to actually raise with you on this is that I sent out a tweet yesterday and say, you know, if you think you're a genuine chance to win a cap, to place a cap in a reply that I sent out, just a, a you know, engaging sort of type tweet, and then Cal replied with a car. So is he declaring himself a chance to win overall title this year? <laughs> He'd like to think so, I reckon, but uh, I don't know. He's, he, I, I'm feeling like, though, Calvin has taken this preseason more seriously than what he has in other years. He's had a fair crack, so I'm not going to say, no, he's not going to win the car, which is truly how I feel about that. However, he um, he's taken it seriously, and if he can get himself uh, in a little bit more form than he has shown in the last few years, although he was still top 1,000 last season, so he's moving in the right direction because I think it wasn't that long ago he had a 10K finish, so fingers crossed he can um, he can do well but yeah we've actually already claimed though the three of us are going to win a hat so that's a positive if we can all get a hat and be close enough for um close enough for the car we'll be happy with that yeah even if i'm going back to that sunday pod there if you get one of the trio of starting to compete it's just that uh emotion roller coaster ride of you know how many spots you, you gain or lose throughout each week I don't think it would be great viewing, actually, to be honest, if one of us were a chance because we would have the nerves on one end, but then the other side, I can just imagine if I was sitting up there high, Calvin would be actually getting stuck into me about choking it up and he'd probably have actually sabotage my team on the way through, I reckon. So I don't think I would cope with the pain. I don't have any hair left now, but I'd have even less left, I reckon, uh, if I was actually competing for the car. All right, so that's the DT Talk Patreon, so entertainment, analysis, and plenty of Q&As and podcasts there as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, let's move on here. So we are talking AFL Fantasy Season Long Classic Mode. This discussion is a pre-season discussion with warning. This podcast is being recorded on Friday lunch, March 10. And of course, news being crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. 
and obviously, of course, again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. So we're going to do 10 questions for warning today and 10 like or dislikes on individual players. So let's kick off with the questions. So have you found it difficult building to a specific roster structure this season? Well, I've been fairly settled in structure. A couple of uh, players might have moved in some different lines, and I'll, I'll specifically talk back and forward there that it might be they've looked fairly settled, but, you know, you might have tweaked one. At the moment, I'm, um, I am looking at four premiums in the forward line, but that has flicked between five and four. So we did release our traders team the other day on afl.com.au, and it's sort of always been a mix between that. So that's the structure there, but then the midfield where it has really been hard to settle on. I think there are a lot of options, and um, I think, Pete, that might be where we'll see a fair bit of difference this year in teams. Like, everyone's going to have some different ideas, and it's and nailing that is going to be what might separate some teams, I think, especially early on. Um, we've got some of those, you know, guys in that 400k range, like where, where people sit with a Finn Callahan, you've also got Warple in that price range, then you've got your Dom Sheed, you've got those guys that you might call those mid prices and the low end mid prices there as options, which depending on where they can sit for you, that's going to be different. And then who we pick as premiums, because I'll always say, and we've been almost saying, throwing a joke at, throw a blanket over them, there are just a lot of midfielders that you can be picking from that are on the training list. So, for example, for my team, I think I said to you before, Pete, I reckon I've probably got a squad of about 45 that could make my final 30 at the moment, and probably where that difference is is a lot in the midfield. So, so to go to that question, yes, I have found it difficult building that because there are a lot of different ways that we can go, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point you raised with the midfielders because I've been fairly settled for most of the pre-season, but from where my top four mids were two weeks ago, they are all different uh, currently sitting right now. So uh, I haven't been able to set, settle on them over the pre-season, but now I'm actually quite settled. So it's a very good point there. And then I think that's probably the difference maker early because I, I, I presume most of the you know legitimate chances to win overall title, we're probably settling on about 80, 90% uh, same type roster. That's right, yeah. So we'll just have to see what that comes out as. I think we'll do, be doing a fair bit of tweaking this week. Selection's probably not going to affect any of that, so it's just going to be a matter of where we sort of land with that and where you feel like it. It's going to be a little bit of that fixture analysis, a little bit of those tag targets might change some minds as well along the way. Alrighty, next one here. We can't start them all. How real is the FOMO for you right now? Yeah, it's quite high, especially with – I I always find – I think I'm a very glass-half-full person in my life, and I see that with fantasy. I think a lot of our content probably from, um, well, pre-February is very much glass-half-full. Everyone can do this. Who's got upside and all that sort of thing? And, and sometimes we get called out on that a little bit, but we always do like to find the good in people, especially our fantasy players. But there are quite a few that do have the upside, and it's about trying to find who's going to – like actually fulfill that upside and, and how much of it there is. And that's it. There's a few of those guys there. Like I would love to start both Finn Callahan and James Warple. And I'm not sure if I can really fit them because it would mean that I'd be fairly light on there having both of those two blokes in the, in the 400k range in the midfield. So that's an example. The FOMO of that is going, I'm going to get the wrong one, um, is one part of it. But then also just, 
those guys, uh, it's where we make our money and you always go and I, I'm old school and this is that 50 trade thing and maybe I need to be a bit more ruthless, but just going, I try to back in my selections a bit as well. So that might be a little bit of a change that I might make this year. But for the FOMO side of it too, it's actually, I didn't really want to go with, um, Doherty or any of the big boys at the top, probably Doherty and Laird are the, the two main ones that we're thinking about there because I'm okay with obviously Dunkley and, and at the top of the rucks as well. But I think, those guys there, there's a FOMO of that. A, when will I get them and how will I get them? That's the question that comes into my head about that because I'm very much against starting our top price players, especially even to, like, people can argue, and Roy will forever argue that um, Doherty's got upside, but my head doesn't really show a heap of upside and I feel like there's more likely to either just uh, stay where they are or, uh, you know, they could even regress a little bit. So, But there is the FOMO of... A lot of other people are doing it now, and I feel like I want to do it as well. So um, just to lock it in, because then I, then I don't have to actually worry about trying to get to them, because we've always had that position in a lot of seasons where we find that sort of clear guy at the top, and then it's really hard to get to them, um, despite you know a better selection being someone that's slightly more underpriced on the way through. That's even after you know a round five trade, for example. It's easy to get to someone, oh, no, they've dropped down a little bit. That's better use of my money rather than still trying trying to get to the top yeah for for me for the FOMO it's um just probably reverting back to the role so you mentioned Doherty there as well um and obviously we get a lot of positive talk from out of clubs early in pre-season but from once we start to get that talk it's it's probably pretty much trying to put bullets and find holes in any particular type player that you know there's it is receiving any type of positive talk so then, uh, for, so I just will always revert back to the role. And then Doherty has, like, he has a specific role in that team, the halfback and midfield, as I've said many times. It doesn't actually matter, but, you know. That's right. Yeah, so so when he is in general play, he's sitting in between that centre circle and the D50 line, which is which almost could be even better. So, yeah, that's maybe I'm just going to provide a little bit more FOMO for you on Doherty here, but I think that's actually a, a, a very, very good role. And that's that's where um, yeah again I can't find I can't I said to you earlier it's like this is as much clarity as I have had uh, previous on a round one team and I think Doherty is part of that there as well. No, I agree. That's and that's the whole thing. I don't think it matters what role he's playing, and you know you can pluck some stats, and that's something we're very good at doing. Going, oh, when he played in the midfield in the last last couple of games last year, he bloody averaged this or whatever. It doesn't matter. That 115 that he's at is what we probably will see him do. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, next one here. Value is important, but ceiling type players are critical, especially for captain options. Ah, yep. That's, I guess, a bit of fantasy 101 because you want to be going through that, especially with our ability to use the rolling lockout with some VC options as well. So that's the other side of it is going that ceiling's where you want to whack that VC. If you really don't get anything there, that's where you might go a bit of safety or whatever, but ceiling's where you get that edge, I suppose, and that can get you those bonus points. And, well, go back to last year's story of Matt winning the car and he had, um, well, at the end of the day, the, the real reason might have been that Zach Merritt when he had that 170. And, you know, if you're he won it by less than 20 points, I think it was in the end, and that was probably a 30 or 40 plus point um, improvement on what most people might have got from their captain at that time. So, yeah, that's the sort of thing that you do need to go, and that ceiling thing is good. That that can get you off to that great start, but you know, if you've got someone with a lower floor, which sometimes comes with some ceiling players, that can also work negatively in the other way. Yeah, it's exactly right. So. Um, I reckon I could roll off 
50 to 100 players that have value, but then it's actually trying to find who has the bigger top ceiling out of any of those uh, players that have perceived value. Already next one here. So what is the best piece of advice you can offer in the final day's hours leading into round one, the rolling lockout? Well, probably the most simple advice is following at AFL ratings on Twitter because, and this is actually without, you know, the paid cash for comment there, John Laws from, uh, for you there, Pete, but it really is, it's staying across the news and that's what we want to see. So it's, it's following all the Twitter accounts. Make sure you've got all the club ones, which I'm sure most people do and you're following any news coming out of the, uh, the good news sources, as we would say, and the reliable ones because we want to know the things like as soon as we see those rookies getting those little videos out there saying the debuting that's those little pieces of um, the puzzle that get put in so hopefully we'll be getting a few of those during the week so we can make sure that we're all set like there's a lot and as you said you've had a more clarity than a lot of times um, in over the years of playing fantasy hopefully we see those so we're not stressing too much around that and we've got our our structure based on our rookies because I'm a big believer of rookies dictate your structure all the way through so um, yeah staying across the news any little niggles might just change some things any obviously weather could be a thing it can be a few different things along the way that might just have you one player on it over another. I think sometimes we do get wrapped up a little bit too much in round one um, in, se- in the sense of going, oh, you know, got to have them for round one. Oh, they're copying that tag in round one, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that is a flag and that is a massive thing, but you still do need to look at a bit of a bigger picture at times as well just to make sure that you're, you're not just jumping at any shadows there. But staying across the news is probably the biggest thing. And then just being across the times of stuff. So knowing, for example, on Wednesday at 6.20, we're going to get the teams for the Tigers and the Blues. We're going to lock those teams in at 7.20 on Thursday night. So just be aware that, you know, if you've, if Chincot is named, where you put him on your field is where he's going to stay. So you've got to be thinking about those sorts of things as we go through. Yeah, so the basic things for time, 6.20 Wednesday, we get Tigers and Blues. 6.20 Thursday, we're going to get all of the teams except for the Sunday teams. They're going to be their extended squads, so their emergencies will be part of their extended interchange bench. And, yeah, those hours before, in the hour before each game starts, we'll get our finalised teams, but also the subs. And I think a big reminder for people is that the subs will be coming from the emergencies, so they won't be coming from uh, from the bench like we had in our uh, well the first iteration of the sub rule, which was hell because we had our bench of four and one of the subs were coming from that. So we would look at our team's name there on a Thursday night. You'd have your four players on the bench and one of those was going to be subs. So that added an extra layer to things um, of trying to work out which player is going to be the sub player. So at least we've got the clarity around the fact that they are coming from the emergencies. So, however, I will not be surprised whatsoever. If that changes, if we've got someone like, um, you know, a Chris Scott, I'll just use him as an example. I'm not sure why I'd use him as an example. And this is that their sub could potentially come from, um, you know, a bit of a late change switch. And then um, that guy that might have initially been named in the 22 could end up being the sub. So let's hope that doesn't happen. And if it does, I'm going to give Gill a call, I reckon, and say we need some big fines for those things. I guarantee you that's happening with Chris Scott this year. He found <laughs> out last year, and he didn't ever know. He said it in a press conference that, you know, that, you know, the the changing of the emergencies. You don't even have to give an excuse these days. So he just he, now that he knows he has another like weapon or whatever, and like change and, and obviously making his opposition um, think a little bit more. He he's definitely going to use that this year, and that that could be really impactful 
for the sub. So, yeah, it's a, Chris Scott obviously is a big watch there. Alrighty, next one here. Good advice there, by the way, and especially with that Sunday as well. So we're only going to go get an extended squad. Uh, so just really have some clarity there. Hopefully most of the clubs have announced their uh, AFL debuts, uh, hopefully by Wednesday, Thursday, letting into those Sunday teams. Yeah, the big thing for those Sunday squads as well, they do get finalised by 5 o'clock on Friday. So you'll only have one game out of the road. So at, at least it's not too bad with that leading into your um, Friday night. And don't get caught out this Friday night either, the first Friday night game, because it's a um, it's a 7.40 start. We're used to the 7.50. It's pretty much 7.50 all the way through the season, but this one is a 7.40 start. So I bet you there'll be a few people that might get caught on that. Oh, actually, I didn't know until you just told me right now. Just 7.40. Do, do you know the reason behind that one? No idea. When they, I remember they announced round one um, earlier, as they normally do, as their sort of the, the leak of all the fixture to get a little bit of hang time in the media with all of that. But um, I thought, oh, because there's been talk about them actually bringing that forward and all that sort of stuff. Um, I thought, oh, is this going to be the new thing? And 740 is the old man that I am these days. That uh, An extra 10 minutes in bed would be good for me on a Friday night. But, um, yeah, it's only, well, um, there might be other rounds, but that's it's back to 750 the week after. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why they're doing that for round one and not the others, but there you go. One thing to be aware of, and we'll make sure we're across social to, to remind people of this. I think it's going to be very much, I know I'll have a lot of scheduled tweets as such to be yep. just going, yep, you've got an hour to go and blah, 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 all the way through. Probably doesn't matter as much to us on the East Coast, Warney, but those on the West Coast, I mean, when you're talking about um, mid-afternoon, you, you can be struggling for time uh, there as well. So, yeah, that extra 10 Somebody. minutes... Yeah. It's a um, it's a big thing for WA. Like three hours at the moment um, is where we're at. So yeah, so that seven forty start is four forty, and I know some days I'm still leaving work around that time, um, or or still packing up a computer or something that I might have to be doing some stuff. So all our WA friends they're well versed in it though. So for those first few weeks um, before daylight saving changes over, I think there must be two or three rounds worth of that. They'll need to be on top of that. But then there's a few fixed quirks during the season too, like when gather rounds on. There's a, a late Friday Arvo game as well. So there's a few that you just need to be across when that happens. I think that's one thing I always like to have in my head is when games are. We normally have a routine of them, but there are a few that uh, jump out and might make a few little different uh, ideas of how we need to do things and when we have to be switched on. Okay, next one here. If your premium has an early fail, will you jump off instantly? <laughs> this more almost goes back to what I said. I probably need to. Um, because I'd like to back my players in. I guess it depends on what the fail looks like, and that's that's the thing. Like if I'm if it's a shitty roll, if it's something not really good there at all, then I'll probably jump, and I'll be quite happy to jump there. And and hopefully it's a little bit of egg on my face for picking that guy with what happened there. Um, I'll probably be more likely, but then obviously you've got to prioritise. What players did I miss that I have to get in first? Like that's more of a priority than um, backing and then trading out an underperforming premium that I had. So it'll be a horses for courses, but I'll probably be more reactionary to that. I think that's what we've seen work better for some coaches um, in recent times where I've been playing this game for 20 plus years and stuck in some old mindsets, especially when I first started playing. I think we were sub 20 trades for the year and now we're up to 50. So it's a bit of a different, um, a different game that we are playing so we need to yeah you need to adapt as that's something I definitely need to do but I think um, I will jump more likely now than what I would have done in the past 
Next one here. So what should the listeners be focused on for the early season trades? Yeah, the simple answer is, I guess, the fix-up trades. Um, so is there a player that you miss that you've got to get? And you probably start with the rookies for that. Like I, I remember a few years ago, Selby, he didn't get Tim Kelly, and um, that had to be a fix-up trade. You needed to do that one. Um, he ended up being one of the best, or probably was the best. He might have won the uh, the Michael Barlow medal that year for what he was able to do as a rookie. But that's what it is, fix-up trades. Prioritise rookies first. Um, I don't think premiums need to be in a fix-up trade trade unless it looked ridiculous um, because you know what they're going to do anyway so like if a um, Rory Laird for example goes and pumps out a, a 130 over the first month average and that fix up trade there as such it'd be nice to do but you might need to prioritise that mid price that's probably going to put 200 grand on his price or obviously the rookie that is going to be one of the better ones if you don't have them so that's what it's all about but it can be some of that sideways shuffling just if you want to jump on that role but you've got to prioritise what's going to be best for your team and what that's going to work out better so you don't want to just go sideways crazy but you do want to make sure your your team's going to be better for the long run yeah and focusing in obviously after round one, two, three of the stronger break-evens. That's right. And so following the break-evens is all important. Um, And also it's like any information, understand why those happen, why those scores happen, why that might have been there. So if a player's popped massively in round one, who were they playing? Have a think about that sort of stuff before you really jump at that as well. And and look at that little upcoming fixture. Like we're, we might have cow scale of hardness there to help us out with stuff, but that might take a few weeks to really settle to understand which teams um, are better um, as we go through. But you can still make some judgments early on and go, yeah, no, that bloke scored 100 there, but ah, uh, it was just playing North Melbourne. They were letting their backs uh, mark more, for example, that sort of thing. Are you focused on the extra buy week this season? I should be more focused on what I am, but what the initial stuff is, is basically it's it's going to be easier. So um, the fact that we've got in round 12, four teams on a buy, and then round 13, there are two teams on the buy, so that is... Geelong and Gold Coast in that second one but all four buy rounds have the same rules best 18 and you've got your three trades use them or lose them for those weeks so um, it's going to be easier because you'll be able to uh, move your team around I think the other side of it like I I haven't done very much uh, clicking on my buy detector as what I would in previous seasons because we have probably so many trades and things happen I think that's what we get to a fair bit during the season it's if you're looking at that about round six-ish and it's really out of whack. You've still got time to fix things there. So it just might limit some of the choices that you make as you're going forward if you're wanting to try to balance yourself up to make sure you're in the best position for it. But the thoughts are, because we start with it's a pretty soft launch into it, and I think that we can, we, we've got a fair bit of strategy there. Like it could be some of that downgrading stuff that could happen in those first couple of weeks because, like, for example, that second week of the buy, so that round 13 one when Geelong and Gold Coast are on there, I reckon we're going have some pretty strong teams and without um, going too far out of the limb, it'll be probably our highest scoring by round despite the fact that we might have upgraded our sides a bit more around that in those next two weeks. But if you've only got those two clubs out and you're looking all right there, then you are laughing as long as you're being smart and bringing in the players that have finished their buy on the week before. Okay, next one here. So how do you think... AFL teams will cope with the extra game this season. Yeah, I think you know what I'm going to say here, Pete, and this is something that we've seen a lot from Geelong there as well. Yep. There will be more management. I think it's um, 
inevitable that's going to happen. And we've got a bit of difference this year, I suppose. We've got um, obviously the extra week. They haven't really been given extra buys or times like that across the across the season to help with that. So I think we are going to see more teams manage. They're probably going to take a leaf out. We're a copycat league, and the way Geelong do things, I think other clubs will take themselves into that. That it's it's not just a, a twenty five a list of twenty five that's churning through the season. Though that'll be extended out to that thirty plus, I think, as we go through. So that's that's one thing to be aware of on the way through there. But also there'll be the in game management because of the buy or because of the sub. Sorry, we'll have um, players that you, you might see some of the the older brigade or players that might need that rest or some of the banged up players that are still going to play week to week, they may get subbed out um, unexpectedly even we could be thinking about that so we, we'll have that in the back of our heads to be worried about a little bit there like we can you know how we can stress during the week about a player will they get up or not and all that sort of stuff you know I'm thinking as a Bont owner for example that you know we had a couple of stressful weeks where he, he we didn't know whether he was going to play or not in a game, and the Bulldogs are up by uh, 10 goals in, at the start of the third quarter, and they haven't used their sub yet, he'd be every chance to have a sit on the pine just to give him that in-game rest so he's not missing a week because he's got those little niggles. That's the sort of thing because, you know, you bond played through, um, but we're going to see that possibly happen now that it's it's not the medical sub as such and that's going to be the difference not that that really affected most teams last year anyway because they could go and pull and do whatever they wanted on those that's the it's always been the uh the dodginess of it but yeah now i guess we're in that position where you know we're going to see that and it's going to be more transparent probably on the way through yeah so for me it is the uh management week to week so you could potentially get a week off for uh, certain types of players it's the in-game management, you're correct. Uh, the sub could be used there as well. But I also think um, game time percentage could, could fluctuate a little bit as well. So, you know, obviously we want to see our mids at 85% there. Um, so that could drop to, you know, as low as 80 potentially. You know, especially if a game is in hand already, you might see some uh, late fourth quarter seeing on extended bench time there as well. And not only that is... What Geelong, if you remember back to the hubs that they did uh, with the member of the short turnaround of the games warning, is that Geelong were doing this with Patrick Dangerford. And this is the one thing that stuck with me. Is a big, it was like four, four, four to five ga- uh, days with a turnaround, so they're still playing obviously limited, um, shorter minutes of games. Is that they were sticking Patrick Dangerfield at, at you know full forward, just stand there for a quarter, stand there for yep. like like a half. So it's it's the flexibility in roles and. And, and what they're going to do within game just to, to, you know, not to put high stress on players throughout the season there as well. So I think they're, uh, and that's why um, my thought process going into team selection and round one roster selection this year is that, you know, I'm chasing fitness freaks. Yep. I agree. And I think that's what we're going to see. You want guys that are going to be able to run and play that role and position for longer. Yeah, that danger is a perfect example of that. And we might see more and more of that um, during the season um, of just, yeah, that extended time there. I think some players will end up being that, that forward, which is, you know, it's not pretty for fantasy at times. So we saw an example of that. And this might be his role moving forward a little bit more too, is that Ben Keys, he obviously could dominate in the midfield and rack up plenty. And then he literally was non-existent when he went into the forward line. So it's something to be aware of. Um, there's probably a lot of times where we're not going to have much choice, but they're the types of ones where, you know, you mentioned to me a failed premium. Um, they could be the ones that you jump off pretty quickly if that could be a part of their game and a part of their role in the team. Yep. Okay, next one here. What type of player do you think 
will be used most as a sub this season? I don't know. I need your help with this one. I think it's you'd want that runner. You'd want that impact player. That's the traditional thing that we would say for that. But each club could be a little bit different as well, the way that they line up. So we had, when this was first announced, I think we talked and thought a little bit about the rucks and how that might work. So coming off, there could be the potential of those teams that are playing the two rucks. So if we're thinking of the player that is going to um, be used as a sub, like coming out of the game, it could be some of those taller timber. And that'll depend on how the game's going and, and who they're coming up against and whatever. So uh, Collingwood could be an example there. If you've got the, the Cameron and Cox combo going on, could one of those be subbed out? That could be the way it goes if they've got everything going their way to be able to do that. And that's the other side of it. Like, There's going to be um, times where the sub is going to need to be used because of injury, but then there's going to be the luxury sub times, which is going to be probably in that third quarter onwards where that can happen. So... Initially, the player coming on, I think most clubs will probably play it safe with a, a versatile type two, but one that can run and have an impact, I would say. But coming out, it's going to be a little bit different per club, but I think we might see a few of those tall blokes go. What are your thoughts on that, Pete? So speed type player for me, uh, for a fair percentage of that, I believe that would be the case. Now, it's interesting whether teams go majority of experience uh, because we've seen Bailey Banfield, he, he was almost a perfect sub for Fremantle uh, last year, but obviously he wants more game time. So it's, I just wonder if it's, you know, don't forget, it's probably going to be in the range of a quarter to a quarter and a half game time only. Uh, that's pretty much what we've seen a decade ago. Um, is it, you know, mid, midway through the third quarter, that's when teams, if they haven't used it already because of an injury, that's when they'll pull the cord on the, on the sub. So I just wonder whether... You know, that's an opportunity to put an experienced top player in. Um, but then you have like a, a fair percentage as well. And it might be like a, um, like a, a Campbell Chesser, you know, that Adam Simpson's talked about his lack of game, games over the last couple of years, uh, through his, um, junior career. And last year, obviously his first year in the system in the AFL. So I just wonder whether that's a, an ability for like a, an Adam Simpson type to use Chesser in that sub position because you know, you build up his fitness at the same time of giving him that experience of the AFL level. And then and then part of that as well is that, you know, how many debuts can we see as a sub this year as well? Obviously, that's a bit of a concern. And, and that goes back into my uh, roster build as well, is that I am trying, flat out, trying to avoid players, especially at the lowest salary types, that it, it could be in that zone of being a sub because you know, there's been nothing worse where you get a break even of you know two or three or five or something which is pretty healthy obviously we like the negatives there as well and then all of a sudden they're popping in for a sub the week so then that just destroys their ability to make some some coin there yeah and especially too and i think that's um, a bit of the uh the fantasy mechanics and the 101 of that too that while they might hit their break even if I've got a player that's got that break even of negative two and he's on as a sub and scores 15 that's really going to affect his growth as well as a player so they takes into account so each price change takes into account their last five games and that's a bit of a rolling thing they lose their percentage um, 
as the games roll out of that five, so how much is taken. But, yeah, that is an effect there. And also, obviously, if you're choosing, and it's a rookie roulette of starting players, if you're you're feeling like you want those two defensive rookies in your back line and playing the rookie roulette of which one you're choosing, um, that can really hurt on any given week if one of those end up being the sub. And that could be either way as well because they might be ones that are just going, yep, you've played two or three games straight. You might just be that, that luxury sub out of a game two, which could affect that. But going back to the debuts as subs, you know, it's very selfish as a fantasy coach. We don't want that to happen. But as a footy fan too, we don't love it as well. Like we'd like our players to get a bit of a run coming in. But if you're purely talking about clubs managing their kids and all that sort of stuff, it's a smart way to go to give them that taste and see how they, they go in that perspective. Yeah, the other one there, just to add on to that, I'm not too sure we'll see that many like younger types in the sub role. I know I just mentioned Campbell Chester there, but I can't imagine like a like a player playing one game and then the sub the next week and then like four weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. I think I think it'd be mix and match. So yeah, I think like if it's Fremantle, they're going to use uh, Bally Banfield in that role that he might be settled into that role. So be it. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a consistent theme for, for most players. For sure. Next one here. So best piece of advice you can give to new players that have entered uh, playing AFL fantasy? Uh, it's probably a bit of an age-old one, but try to find value in your players. So I'd like to have every player in my side that I can I can tell a story why they're going to be better, and that's um, that's the main thing. And then I guess from there is going... You want, your aim is to get your team valued at more um, as their players go up, so therefore you can do some of your trading so you can get to the best team that you can get. So I guess that's a really sim- simplistic way of saying it, and it's nice if you can aim to have every player going up in value because that's always the, the nice thing to be able to do because it's a way to manage your budget as well. That's the other side of it. But if you can be doing that and you can start there, that's a nice place to start. If you can be getting everyone doing that, it doesn't have to be everyone at the end of the day, and that's where I'm getting that FOMO of our you know, the Doherty and possibly Laird. I'm still trying to fight that one a little bit, but um, those guys there, you can you can go with those. And if I listen to Roy and Calvin enough, especially Roy about Doherty and Cow about Laird, there actually is upside in those guys. So that's that's probably the main um, bit of advice if you're in that. And, and just absorb information is the other side of it. Learn from others. See what has worked for other coaches. See where you can have those great conversations that happen on social media and obviously plenty of podcasts that will give advice along the way to, to help you learn the game and learn how it works. And, and one thing that I will say off that too is that we've been playing this game for a long time and it keeps changing. And that's something we all need to evolve and adapt a little bit. So a thing that may not may have worked last year may not necessarily work this year. We can learn from it and think that, yep, that in that realm of things, that's, that's how it's going to work. But even just with slight things that change, for example, we've got an extra round this year, so meaning we've got a couple of extra trades um, and the way that the buy rounds are different to what we've ever seen before it's going to be a different way to play it. So it's, it's, I think that's what's fun about it. We can keep evolving with that and, and thinking. So, But if you keep the basic rules of, I want players that are have got value, then I don't think you can go too far wrong. But don't try to hunt too much value and look down your list and go, geez, Harris Andrews, he's a good player in the AFL. He looks like his value. They're the mistakes that a few of, uh, especially the kids at my school might make. They go, they know these players' names, but they realise that they're not going to be so good. Just like uh, back in the day, Pete, we always hear about how good your Simon Prestigiacomo was as a Collingwood player. But fantasy, I think he probably had a career average of about 35 
Yeah, that's right. And, and for the best piece of advice I can give a new player playing AFL fantasy is just treat it as a challenge. So um, there are there are plenty of learnings across this game, and it teaches you anywhere from maths. Warney, um, so that's your school teacher within you, is that, you know, obviously game theory as well comes into it. Um, and then identifying, uh, again, players of value, but then decision making is really, you know, absorbing the news that I, that I smash out there as well and just trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together to make an informed decision. So treat it as a challenge uh, from round one, obviously, right now, building a squad all the way through to the final round of the season. Um, probably try and execute um, smart and thoughtful trades that add uh, extra, obviously, extra points to your team score. Forever be a learner. I think that's a big thing about life in general, but in fantasy that's there. And actually in learning, and you talk about being a math teacher and stuff, we're actually working on some stuff, the local uh, group that do some STEM stuff here in Lonnie. We're looking at trying to get some sort of teaching resources for upper primary and secondary stuff as well to get kids engaged with some of their maths work and use fantasy as a bit of a thing. I think that'll be a bit of fun that we might be able to talk about later in the year. That is outstanding. So hopefully that comes Altogether. Alrighty, we're going to move on now. So um, I'm going to pose 10 players to Warney here now. He's going to give me a like or dislike on those. So first one up here is Errol Gordon. Like or dislike? Like has to be, I think. Yep. Do you want me to keep going? Uh, no, that's all right. I'll go to the next <laughs> one. So Sam Property, like or dislike? It's now a like. And then Tom Mitchell, like or dislike? I'm going to say dislike now. He was locked in my side for quite a long time, and now I just feel like, as much as I'm a massive believer, um, I think there's just safer options now that you might be able to go with. Next one here, Nick Dacos. Uh, dislike for me, um, I just it's a tough one because I don't want to read totally into a team that um, goes to tag a bloke, but it just gives you enough to go, geez, that could happen. They've seen it sort of work, and that's the thing that could be a worry uh, moving forward because if you cop one of those early in the season, then the value that you thought he might have been is actually pointless at that time of the season. So in, in a line where we might be looking at some value along the way, you don't necessarily need to start there where I, I felt like I not so much needed to earlier in the season, but I was pretty confident with, with going there. I'm not saying that he's a bad pick at all. I'm just saying I'm just a bit of a dislike after that because it just it has a little bit more risk to it now. Next one here, like or dislike for Dom Sheed. I'm a like, um, but he's, uh, the like is not necessarily the lock that it was. However, um, I'm not seeing myself at the moment start without him. Scott Lye said, like or dislike? Dislike. <laughs> I don't think I can put myself through that. There is a world that it works, but no, it's a dislike for me. Patrick Cripps, like or dislike? Interesting one. Um, I'm going to say like, however... I'm not doing it. So um, is it is it the Brownlow thing that sits in my head with the fantasy numbers post Brownlows? I think he's going to be great, and I think he's going to be someone that moves along quite well, and that's not going to be an issue for him. But it's probably almost the – and this probably goes against exactly how he went last year because he did show some ceiling stuff last year. But I just feel like he's – I don't think he's going to hurt us if we didn't start with him. Yeah, heading back to the start of last year, he was very fresh. Obviously, he provided a, a massive amount of value there as well. But he was coming off a back injury the year before, so now he's you know 18 months, 12 months uh, removed from that. 
Um, and it's the freshness of Crips again. So I think we're going to actually see um, some pretty decent early scores and no Walsh in that team as well. So, yeah. yeah. So I think he's going to be a major ball winner. And the tag is irrelevant for Crips. He just pushes them aside. He's, he's just a huge, just huge individual. Yeah. So um, I think we're going to see some pretty decent early scores. Already next one here, Charlie Constable, like or dislike? At the like for a month, maybe. Um, I think, yeah, uh, the, the play for him is knowing that you're probably going to have to get out at some point. So I'm willing to take that risk at the moment, and so that's a like for me. Yeah, and let's just go back into a bit of our discussion there. One of the important points that uh, I'd like to bring up is to know what players are on the sidelines for in this particular scenario, Gold Coast, of when they're coming back in, because that's a crucial part of the Charlie Constable story. Exactly right, and so that's something that we will need to be across. Our uh, our mate Fish up there in Queensland, he will uh, let us know where everyone is. I'll be sliding into his DMs a little bit this week, I reckon. A good move there. Next one here, Jack Steele, like a bit like. It's still a like. Um, it's interesting to see just that, um, obviously, we saw the photos early on of his, uh, his weight loss. I don't know if it's just the haircut that did it as well, but he does look different out on the field, and that's what we did see in that game. Still racked up those big tackle numbers, though, against the Bombers. Hard to take a heap out of that game, too. I think that's something that you don't... That's one of those ones, if you watched it, you'll know that um, what the conditions were like and all that sort of stuff where we can talk about, oh, yeah, Bombers, looks like they're going to take lots of marks in the back line, which could be true, but it's the sort of game when you've got sort of three blokes there taking 30-plus marks... Um, <laughs> You're not going to see that week to week. That's not going to be exactly the game plan. That that's how it's going to work. So you've got to be careful with that. And that's why I'd still like for me for um, Jack Steele. However, the only thing is, though, you know, he's priced up around that 110 mark. If you're picking him there, you really want him to be going that 115 plus almost, or at least being in those top three um, midfielders. And, and that's probably something that I'm probably more dislike on because I'm not exactly sure if that's where he ends up. And the final one here is Rory Laird, like or dislike? <laughs> oh, this is that fence. This is that torn. This is that FOMO. I'm going to say like. Um, you'll get what you pay for for him. If he drops, it's probably not going to be that much, and that's the whole um, aim of this is that if he's not dropping that much, it's mean he's going to be bloody hard to get later on. So, yeah, FOMO is real on that one. So like. So let's just expand on that. Is it exactly hit on a good point there? And this is the one thing that I was thinking with Rory Laird as well. Is that you know if if his average is quite decent to start the year, and you know the final wash up, we're going to need him at some stage. Like he, he's going to almost be a, a certain starter in our team at some stage, and his ceiling is obviously enormous. But if he doesn't drop that much, I mean, what round are you going to get him at? Yeah, and that's and that's what's hard. I think people were in that position last year. There were times there would have been people that didn't actually get Rory Laird in the end because they just couldn't get there for him. And a lot of the things we think about too, and this is part of my uh, game theory or game strategy as well, is going there are other options there in the midfield that you can get. And it's, you know, he might drop that bit of coin, but it's not enough for you to get to. So you go for that other guy that might still be a top eight midfielder, but there's just that gap that he put on everyone else last year made him, that must have terms 
that I know a lot of people have been listening to a few podcasts and a lot of people are very negative on using that must-have turn. I think it is a bit of a throwaway line that most of us use, though. But you are looking at that guy. He was a must-have. He was putting on a lot more points than others and obviously the captain option that you get from someone like that as well. And that's something we do have to have in our heads with some of these selections at the top end. As Calvin likes to say, you don't just get one of them, you get two. And so sometimes they can be worth paying up for for that. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Again, uh, I'll post a tweet there uh, later this afternoon and it will be um, I am playing AFL Fantasy this season and I'll take in the Plus 6 podcast and Warnie DT there as well. So if you put that on Twitter, um, I'll give away a uh, Cap and Beanie combo. And I'll tell you, those Beanies that I've got in there, they are high quality. So if you can just let the listeners know where to find you and what to look forward to from content this season. Yeah, plenty of stuff to come. I think it's going to be a busy week. We'll have stuff up pretty much every day on afl.com.au. Lots of stuff that we've done as well. So you can sort of go back into the back catalogue of things. Our podcasts, I think it's been one of our better seasons of uh, podcasting. So there's lots of stuff there to go and check out and a lot of fun stuff too that might be a little bit different outside of what we normally do. So our Coaches Corners, which you featured on one of those, Pete, and that was great information all the way through there. And while that did focus on ahead of the the match sim games and the uh, the practice, matches there's a lot of great learnings from those from some of the things that you and the other guys had to say on those so they're all nice things to go back to have a listen to again um, but yeah just to stay close to afl.com.au and then also uh, check out our patreon if uh, you haven't you might be interested in getting some of that bonus content which will be a bit of fun i think this AFL fantasy community is great and we just want to be another little um, arm of that with our Patreon. We've got a lot of fun stuff including we're going to have a couple of little league things that are going on including um, a bit of a, a knockout. So like the old Eliminator back in the day, we're going to do one of those with everyone there that's in, in the league for that. Well, all the best of the season and enjoy the emotional roller coaster ride. I will, Pete, and I look forward to following all your stuff along. You'll be my number one source for news and the information I can rely on. Good work with what you've done this year, mate, and looking forward to these next uh, 25 weeks of our life being consumed by our fantasy teams. Absolutely looking forward to it. Enjoy your afternoon. Thanks, mate.